Larry, I really appreciate you, uh, you, you talking with me here. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about designing and managing uh, programs, that book, and of, of course, some related things. Um, what's your, your background and sort of why your interest in program uh, design and evaluation? Sort of how did that sort of uh, come about? Well, one of the one of my earliest jobs in government, and when I say earliest jobs, I'm going back to the 1970s, um, was as director of aging programs for the state of Arizona. And they were, the Child Welfare League of America at that time um, phrased federal funding uh, approaches as hatchet and match it. If you could come up with an idea, they'd fund it. So we got a lot of, uh, not necessarily in Arizona, but there were a lot of programs that were created around the country with this quote, un, quote unquote, free federal money that right. had very little planning. Uh, again, I saw this in Arizona. Uh, some of the programs, I started the area agencies on aging and nutrition programs, the transportation programs, nursing home ombudsman programs. And uh, to a certain extent, we were flying by, this, by the uh, seat of our pants. I figured there had to be a better way. Uh, so I got interested in uh, really program planning, uh, using data. Uh, I, I think it was in my MSW program when I wrote a, a paper on uh, outcomes and mm -hmm. that that's ought to be the driving force for funding decisions. And that was a novel, that was a, a new a newer idea. It wasn't sort of as accepted as it is today, I guess. Right? That that was uh, that was in the 1980s. Very few people even heard of the the term outcome, and even some of my professors looked to, looked askance at social work professors looked askance yeah. at me. But I, I simply believe that was the wave of the future. So um, let me ask you, what did they focus on, if not outcomes? Like sort of to put it in perspective, right? Spending the money. Just Absolutely. getting the money, getting the program up and running and spent and, and again, uh, in the late 1960s, the early 1970s, the feds were just throwing money around all over the place. Yeah. And they were allowing uh, donated funds for matching. So you could go to the, I did this myself. I went to the United Way and I said, look, we got all these federal funds sitting there, but we don't have enough state match can you guys throw some money in the pot? Yeah. So uh, again, hatch it and match it. If you could come up with an idea, you can get it funded. Okay. Right. Um, the, the book that, that we use that, that you all wrote that. So, uh, with, uh, Peter Kettner, uh, Robert Maroney. Yes. Right. So this book right here, right. uh, and you, uh, how did that, uh, come about? Like, why did you, uh, and, and you obviously are fifth edition and everything. So can you give us a little perspective on that? Yeah. Well, uh, Pete Kettner and Bob Maroney were both professors of mine when I was getting my MSW degree. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, they were unhappy with uh, the social work, social administration, nonprofit management texts that were available. And I was unhappy with them too. We were unhappy for different reasons. Pete and uh, Maroney, because of... Uh, the lack of theory, the lack of emphasis on evaluation. I was unhappy with them because none of them touched on financial management. And then uh, at that same time, performance measurement was just coming into vogue. Uh, 1993 uh, was when the feds passed the Government Performance and Results Act. 
So we said, you know, there's a need for a textbook that brings this all together and demonstrates how uh, planning ought to be based on data. You ought to constantly uh, monitor your program implementation using performance measures. You ought to evaluate your programs. And certainly you ought to tie all of this to uh, financial management and budgeting and how you're using resources. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. I think that, so the, the, a lot of books, I think, start that way, right? It's like what there's, uh, what's available, what's been written is not, uh, not adequate for what we need. Um, there's a real gap here. So let's, let's, rather than wait for it to be created, let's create it ourselves. So. Well, in those was, days, there were no textbooks that, that brought the financial aspect and the program planning uh-huh. evaluation together. They just didn't exist, period. Right. So in, in thinking about, so this book fo- the focuses on design and, and uh, evaluation together and management, um, which is nice. Uh, so program design is something that evaluation, the field of evaluation has started to focus on in the last some, you know, some decades. And uh, certainly uh, with the developmental evaluation and uh, also just uh, uh, evaluators being called to help provide input, not just on uh, summative informative evaluation, but also figuring out how to how to create the program itself and everything that goes into that. So that's uh, I think been really neat. Do you see do you, do you see um, this book? Uh, how do you see this book being helpful for let's say uh, students in you know it's very broad, but health and human services in their future careers? Um, so st- master students, let's say graduate students, like why should they? In other words, why should they care about this? Why should they care about the book or why should they care about the topics? The topic, <laughs> the topic, the book, the together, I guess. Yeah. So uh, you can answer it however you want. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, uh, sounds like I'm blowing my own horn, but uh, it's for the purpose of putting this in perspective. This yeah. book has sold over 100,000 copies, which is virtually unheard of for a college textbook. It's been used with three generations of students in and it runs the gamut from uh, public health to mental health to criminal justice to social work to public administration. Uh, it's been used by Harvard. It's been used by Stanford. It's been used by public universities. So three generations of students uh, and faculty have used this book and have felt it's, uh, it, it's useful. I run into former students and, and some non-former students who come up and say, Oh, you're Larry Martin. You you co- you co-authored that book. I still have it on my uh, uh, bookcase. I refer to it frequently. It's uh-huh. one of the few things on the market that brings this all together and gives us perspective. So, so in I their jobs, this would continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So in their jobs, they have the need, like in administrative jobs, leadership jobs, uh, all sorts of the positions that your students find themselves in or are in. They have the need to, to do this sort of thing, to design programs, to evaluate them, to, to run them. Yeah, uh, when I was teaching at Columbia, uh, I was up there for about 10 years, I had seven presidential management interns from social work. That's virtually unheard of. I even had the deputy director of the Federal Office of Management and Budget call me once and say, we're considering taking a, a social work student of yours as a presidential management intern. Said I would have never considered looking at a social work student, 
but this person understands program planning, uh, evaluation, performance measure, and financial management. She's the whole package. And I said, absolutely, she's the whole package. Enough said. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so what would you say, uh, so obviously of the book and the way it's laid out and everything, what do you think is the best way to really grasp the material that's covered in the text? Or what are, what are some good ways, let's say, or some, good, some, some good approaches or ideas around that? You know, I, I don't know that I can answer that question. Um, I've used the, the book different ways, and I suspect that uh, uh, teachers and instructors and professors have used it in different ways. What's the best way to get into the material? Uh, what's the best way to present it? Uh, you know, I think that's a very individual thing. Yeah. Um, I think I think I even tell this story, or we tell this story in the in the book about uh, trying to st uh, start programs for the elderly on Indian reservations in Arizona, using a model that was developed in inner city New York. Um, you begin with with where the students are at and what they find interesting, and if they find evaluation is is more is interest is more of more interest to them uh -huh. a way to get into the text i think you could start with that you could start with program planning and go through the book in a sequential uh perspective i don't think many students are going to say let's start with the financial management aspect <laughs> and work back so it's i think it's a very individual thing is is your um is the part that you brought to it, especially around the financial management? Because I guess everyone, there's three of you all writing this, so uh, been working on the, the various revisions. So is that, has that been your focus? To... Uh, the financial management and the performance measurement, because looking okay. down the road, I could see that there would come a time when uh, governments would start paying for performance rather than just picking up the tab for whatever agencies wanted to do. And uh, I think of all, of all the things we did right in the book, that was one of the major ones, because uh, if you go back and look at the last 20 years, it's quite clear that the federal government is moving to a pay for, pay for performance model. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they wanted to get there several years ago, but state and local governments and nonprofits uh, weren't ready. But clearly with social impact bonds and a lot of the other things they're doing, that's the direction they're heading. Right. Yeah, getting back to what you mentioned before in terms of how to learn the material, the way we do it is we have students pick a, basically a, a program that they're interested in developing or a problem, some sort of, of issue, and then, and then, uh, then start, then you know, write that up, kind of get, get into that problem, that issue. Uh, it, with, a, with our class related in some way to uh, developmental disabilities or some sort of uh, child medical issue, something like that. And it could be related to families, siblings, teachers, instructors, therapists, whatever. It's very broad, but somehow related to that area. And then they take that all the way through to then uh, developing the needs assessment piece, right? So the needs part that you go through, developing a logic model, uh, which which is covered in your book, but also we have another book that we, we bring in as well. And then the evaluation piece and then developing, like how would you evaluate it? So there's a common thread for those uh, four assignments. And well, I certainly beginning with the social problem and yeah. what it is you want to do and how you think you're going to address it is, is the very logical, probably best uh, approach to take in using the material. 
Yeah. Uh, what, what would you say um, are some of the challenges that students encounter uh, with the book, with the material that's covered in the book? Like, what are the things that you you sometimes you see kind of again and again, or um, things that you could kind of help us out with? The biggest problem that I see with students is uh, numbers phobia. And it doesn't make a bit of difference whether we're talking about analyzing a table with data or analyzing a budget. They have uh, number phobia uh -huh. and getting over that. And, and all I can say to them is that, um, well, I, I generally use the financial management perspective. Time and time again, I've either been uh, at a meeting or was doing some training session for a nonprofit, for example, and the executive director of the agency would uh, conduct the meeting uh, all the way up until they got to the budget. And then they said, now I'm going to turn this over to our, uh, our budget person or to our finance person. Yeah, right. What, what I tell students, if you're not managing your agency's finance, you're not managing the agent. Somebody else is, and you better hope they're doing it right. So again, I, I tend to be very heavy on the finance side. So it's essential to have familiarity with that, and and how do you how do you and competence in that and and comfort right? I guess it, how do you build that? How does one how how does one sort of build that uh, those those competencies and that sense of well, uh, I just make them do it first of all. I just do make it? them do it, and and I and I I simply tell students it's better to be not very good at the finances. It's better to be not very good than to have no idea what's going on. So look at it that way. Uh, anything that you can do to, to get over this number sense and the fact that this is something that you can't understand, you, you can understand it. Uh, finance and data analysis is not all that hard. Uh, I sometimes think we go out of our way to make it hard, but I don't think it is. Right. Makes sense. Uh, any other challenges? Any other things that you're seeing that you, that you see that students struggle with in terms of the concepts in the book or any? Well, interestingly enough, uh, one place where I've always gotten bogged down with students is what is an outcome? Uh, I would think after 30 some odd years of, of preaching what an outcome is that that would be and there's even a federal, there's even a definition in federal law of what an outcome is, the results, uh -huh. impacts, or accomplishments of public programs. But getting them to understand that uh, while the amount of service provision is important, while the quality of that service is important, what we're really trying to do is impact on social problems in people's lives. Uh, and how do you measure that and how do you come up with outcomes? So it's like that uh, output versus outcome. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a challenge we see in the logic models too. It's, yes. it's just uh, uh, the way that's operationalized, yeah, or, or, or seen visually, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And uh, do, do you have a way of explaining that? That's like, uh, you gave a definition that's provided. Um, do you have a way of like really delivering that point home to students that, like, that, that they, you find it sticks with them? Yeah. Well, um... Short answer is no. What I, what I make them do is, is, uh, is grapple with it. Uh, break uh -huh. a class into teams, small groups or what have you, have them pick a, 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 a program 
and come up with output quality and outcome measures. And frequently they're, you know, what they come up with, they're not the best in the world, but they're grappling with these concepts. Uh, and again, the hardest, the hardest thing for them to understand is the difference between an output and an outcome. Uh, so, you know, the outcome is, what are you really trying to accomplish? Uh, just providing services is not what we're here for. Just providing quality services are, are again, not what we're here for. They're important, but we're trying to accomplish something. We're trying to do something. So yeah. what is it that you want to do? And sometimes in federal grants, in the performance measures, they have outputs uh, listed, right? It's like number of children attending, number of adults, you know, what are participants attending, the, uh, the rate of a participation. These can be, and so they're oftentimes confused as sort of, Yes, uh, the, agreed. The, the, the so what of the program, like it's really not like you're saying. Yeah, good point. I like that uh, breaking them out into groups, students out in the groups, have them grapple with that and then even present back. And I'm wondering, I think I, that when I do that on Zoom next, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, give you credit for that idea. I'll let you know how it goes. I might say that I do that with uh, public administration students and I do it with people working in government from a variety of areas, uh, code enforcement, uh, solid really? waste collection. It's the same thing. They, they, they have to grapple with this concept of outputs and outcomes. So it's not unique to what we do. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's just sort of clear thinking, basically, yes. and uh, really understanding what the terms really mean and the point of it. Okay. Exactly. Do you, uh, do you have like, uh, other like resources, other books, other websites, I don't know, anything that you can suggest that will help um, students with either design, program design or evaluation or management uh, kind of things that you've been talking about, anything so that would that we can, I can put as a link and uh, or uh, add to or any other ideas? Well, a couple of ideas. Uh, one, uh, trying to bring evaluation together with performance measurement, I think is, uh, it's gonna happen. It, it's been happening. It's, uh, it's like pulling teeth, but uh, it, it is happening. And the best book that I've seen on it, and I can't remember the, the, the I don't have the, I'm at home without any of my resources because I'm locked out of my office, uh, with, as, uh, uh, by a professor uh, uh, whose name is McDavid, M-C-D-A-V-I-D. He's a Canadian, and I, uh, he's done a great job of trying to marry up these two concepts, performance measurement and uh, uh, evaluation. The way I explain this to students that is evaluation is principally a social science perspective. Performance measurement is a public management perspective. Uh, one's trying to improve public policy, one's trying to improve service delivery. He's done a pretty good job of bringing this together. Um, also, if I can uh, toot my own horn here for a minute, if I can remember the name of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got a new book out called, uh, it's a joint co-authored book with uh, Robert Schick of Rutgers University. It's called Issues and Innovations in Human Services Contracting, Policies and Practices. And what we did was ask some of the people around the country who have spent 
significant proportions of their career in either child welfare, mental health, um, criminal justice. Uh, we've even got a Canadian contributor and one from the Netherlands. Okay, so you've got uh, evidence-based practice, you've got a performance measurement, you've got an emphasis on outcomes and evaluation. How is this actually playing out in the, in the service delivery area? And we've got some of the uh, top people in, in uh, social work and social services in the country who've contributed chapters. So it's a way of uh, looking at, okay, we've got all these concepts on how to improve uh, service delivery. Uh, in this case, we're, we're using the contract mode rather than direct service delivery. But what you see is everybody's still grappling with the same concepts and the same problems of how do, how do you translate this all into improved service delivery. So that's one source. Another thing I would say, um, can't get anybody to read this article, unfortunately, but it's listed in chapter 12 of the book. Uh, it's the OMB super circular, grant reform or something more. <coughs> this is finally after periods of uh, reform, uh, has become the uniform guidance on federal grants. If you go, if you read this article and then you go look at the uh, uniform guidance on federal grants, you'll see a clear direction towards outcomes, requiring outcomes in all federal grants, no matter what the topic is, and tying outcomes to compensation. And if agencies don't have outcomes, the federal government can tell you what those outcomes are going to be. Uh -huh. Now, why this <laughs> created more interest among researchers and academics is beyond me, but uh, <coughs> it's there, they're making, it, it, it's, they've been working on this for 20 years. Uh, and in the article, I argue that what they're really doing is changing the federal grant system into a contracting system, but they can't use the term contract because of other federal laws. But if you want to know where the future of federal funding and what it's going to look like, this is this article will set the stage and, and then go look at the uniform guidance on federal grants and you'll be up to speed. So we should put a link to that. That's in chapter, you said 12 of the book? Uh, chapter 12, I believe it is. Yeah, the, uh, the OMB Super Circular. Okay. And a link to uh, the Uniform uh, Guidance on Federal Grants. Okay. Is the article published in a, in a journal or is it on a... It's on a in uh, Human Services Organization Management and Governance. Again, okay. the citation is in, is in the book. Okay, great. Well, we'll share that as well. Any other suggestions that relate to these topics that you found to be... Uh, helpful, especially to uh, beginning folks and students and that kind of thing? Well, this is a little bit outside of what we've been talking about, but for the last couple of years, I've, uh, my research interests have been primarily in public-private partnerships. And uh, I think, you know, not only are they important, but uh, they're, they're going to be one of the, the ways that we make up for the loss of resources. State and local governments are going to be in dire financial straits in the next fiscal year unless the federal government bails them out and they may and the federal government may or may not so how do we combine the resources of the nonprofit sector and and government and heaven forbid let's 
remember that there is a business sector out there too that has resources and how you bring those together to deal with uh, community problems is going to be extremely important and one of the one of the terms that that I one of the areas that I've been looking at is social infrastructure we talk about bridges and roads and highways and what have you but what about senior centers civic centers libraries parks rec all those are going to suffer going forward because the other demands of government are, are going to eat up the resources. So that's a, a fertile area, I think, for the use of more public-private partnerships. We're going to salvage our libraries and our schools and our, our uh, mental health facilities and our public health facilities, even elementary schools. Do you see the partnerships being between foundations, the private uh, industry and the government? Is it, uh, what, what are you seeing? How, do, how what does that look like? You know, that, that is a, a great question. And I think uh, what, you're one of the very few people that's phrased it exactly that way. I think there's been historically a total disconnect between government, private foundations. And, and when I say private foundations, I mean community foundations. Yeah. We've got six, seven hundred community foundations around the country whose primary purpose is to serve the community, but they don't necessarily think of taking those dollars and putting them into uh, refurbishing a library that's falling apart. But they could. They could. And government can provide the long-term financing. The foundations provide the upfront funding. And you get to you get a group together of nonprofits, business, and government to 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 do these things. Uh, it's and to run the programming also within those and to, and those to run buildings. the programming. <clears throat> it's done in in the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom they create agencies which are half owned by government and half owned by a nonprofit, uh, and they're doing these kinds of uh, uh, programs. It, it takes a leap of the imagination. I mean, it's, it's not something we're comfortable with doing, but it can be done. So well, I think, what, go ahead, what I'm sorry. Think, yeah, sorry, why, why do you think there's a, a discomfort with that here in, in the US at least? Well, the, the first thing I would say is politics slash control. Uh -huh. You know, if, if I'm not running it, it's not as good as it could be. Um, if the, if I can tell you a quick story that has nothing to do with mental health or social services, but it involves uh, the creation of a light rail system in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix has uh, six or seven satellite cities that are fairly large now. They yeah. wanted to create a light rail system. The light rail system would have to cross back and forth between all these jurisdictions. They tried to develop an intergovernmental approach to it. It didn't work. They created a nonprofit, and the board of directors is made up of the mayor from each of the cities. They run now one of the largest light rail systems in the country. Technically, it's run by a nonprofit. So it's run by a nonprofit. Who, who ends up funding it? Like, what are the funding sources? Do you know? The traditional federal government, oh, yeah. state government, local government, all, all through pass-through funding. But to me, the fantastic thing about it is it's, it's legally, technically, and in reality, a nonprofit. Right. So is it that it's more in touch with the needs, like with the needs of the, I guess, the stakeholders or 
because well, it's, of it, it's in touch with the needs of stakeholders, but but also if you if you go back to power and control, um, a lot of things I think don't get done in this country because they transcend uh, uh, political boundaries. Nonprofits can operate anywhere; they can do anything they want to within reason. Uh, so here was a case where they just took the nonprofit and set it over on top of government and said, guys, learn to work together. It's an interesting so approach. It gets through the, the divisions, the political divisions. And exactly. It focuses around the issue, around the, exactly. the problem. That's really interesting. Okay, yeah. That's a, that's a great uh, example or story there. Um, illustration. Um, what is, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you to follow your your work and kind of you gave a, a recent publication one of the books uh there that you published um are there are there ways to 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 follow what you're doing uh, uh at the university or social media or anything else like that what do you got well uh that's a bit of a challenge in that um I used to be, I used to do a lot of social media. I backed away from that. I found out it just eats up my time and uh, a lot of dysfunctional activities. You can reach me at my email address. Okay. Um, my Vita's up up there on my uh, and the, I'm in the School of Public Administration at the University of Central Florida. You can look at uh, what I've published. Uh, if there's something there that interests you, then. Um, Send me an email if you have a question or an issue or okay. something. Okay, great. Can I, I was going through your CV and I, this stood out, maybe you think it's funny, but uh, uh, in terms of this, your security clearance that you had, what was Cosmic Top, top Secret? Or what was that called again? Cos yeah. Cosmic Top Secret is NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Okay. You may right. have an American Top Secret security clearance, but you still have to be cleared uh, by NATO to access NATO top secret. Got they it. call it's it cosmic top secret. Okay, great. Um, last question. I didn't put it on the list that I sent you, but I wanted to ask you, is there, aside from the books that you've mentioned, um, is there a book that you uh, recommend to others or, or you find yourself gifting to others that, uh, and it doesn't have to relate to any of the topics we're talking about. I'm just interested in like what you've been thinking about, what you, what you find to be helpful and, you know, it's a very broad question, but um, yeah. Again, I don't, I, I don't have, <coughs> I have a book or a journal article, but I never fail to tell people, go on the federal website and look up the uniform guidance on federal grants. Uh -huh. Because if you're aware of that and you understand what they're doing, you, you are ahead of 99% of the rest of the people in this country. That's great. Where so? Where do you find that? Is it uh, is it linked? Uh, yeah. Gosh, the feds. The fed. <coughs> excuse me. The feds are in the middle of overhauling all of their uh, web pages and consolidating them into one. But uh, I would think a good place to start would be gov.com. Okay. Uh, and then just type in uniform guidance or federal grants or something like that, and you would eventually. I'm updating another book and that's, it's not in production because the feds keep changing all the websites and what, so I'm trying to do this in real time and they keep changing everything on me. But gov, uh, government.gov.com, I believe it is, would be a good place to start. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's something like that. Yeah, I'm forgetting exactly what the what the URL is, but we'll put it in there. And so if you read that, then you'll already be ahead of a lot of people in terms of what? Like, what will you know that most a lot of people who do, who don't have the patience for that? Well, well no. let, let, let me tell you a little history here. Um, almost 20 years ago, I was invited to uh, to Washington to brief the Federal Interagency Task Force on uh, grant reform. And they were interested in my work on contracting. And they said, what we want to do is move grants to contracts because what we have found historically is that people, when they apply for grants, overpromise in order to get the grants. And then they don't fulfill the grant, but we just forgive them. We want to get away from that. That's 20 years ago. But to make a major move like that has required a lot of uh, groundwork. Uh, when they uh, uh, when they finally came out with the final uh, federal regs about four years ago, state and local governments had never heard of it. They had no clue, and they were ill prepared to do this. So they bought, brought political pressure in Washington and the White House to give uh, extensions. Those extensions ran out in December of last year, I believe it is. So now, if you don't have good outcome measures and you're applying for federal grants, you may not get, abs- you, you, you're probably going to get absolutely nowhere. And this is not just health and human service grants. Across the board. This is transportation, could be anything, across the board. Across the board. Okay, very, very helpful to know. So we'll recommend that as well. Well, I really appreciate your time, and uh, this is really helpful for me, and I think it's going to be great to have our students listening and others that, that, that hear this. Uh, well, great. It's been a pleasure discussion. speaking with you. Larry, thank you again. Take care. All right. Be well.